Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Good and Pastor Brett Bowe and Pastor Nathan Olson continued their discussion on Article 13 of the Augsburg Confession. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by Pastor Jason Goodham and Dr. Nathan Olson. Yes, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, Nathan, to this uh, second episode uh, that we have you here on. Uh, so we're we're talking about uh, the sacraments today. Good stuff. We can never have en- enough episodes of the sacraments. Just keep it coming. Yeah, we just yeah. have the sacrament podcast. I'm sure some people would listen to that. At least three. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe more. Well, there's three of us in this room, so... <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that, like, my son listens, but, yep. and that's Again, about hi, it. Gideon. Yeah. Hey, it's Gideon, been like, yes. We yeah, have a consistent out. base. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's been like 20 episodes since we said hi to Gideon, Yeah, so. right. Yeah. Good. So, yeah, we we started off uh, talking uh, last time, uh, walking through the, the purpose and, and what the sacraments are doing, looking at Article 13 of the Augsburg Confession. And uh, so, as we start this episode, you know, we ended last time uh, talking a little bit about uh, the distinction between ex opere operato versus uh, the sacraments being effective. And so, Nathan, you had uh, some great comments on that uh, even just before we clicked record, which often, I don't know, we probably said this before, but a lot of times we wish we could have recorded the in-between episode We're at chatter. our best when we're not on the air. Just yeah, believe right. us. So, yeah, if you just All the listeners us. are like, yeah, no, we totally believe you about yes, that. that's right. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, yeah if you want to get when on I think that about, again. When I think about sacramental theology, there's a huge difference between just the, the tier of explanation and proclamation. So, for example, um, if you were going to say God forgives the sins of the world, that's a, it's a true statement, um, but it's just an abstract statement. It's just out there generally, but for no one in particular. But a proclamation statement would be, Brett, God has forgiven your sins. And it makes it personal. And that's what we have with uh, the sacraments. One of my favorite theologians, he says, a sacrament is particular. It has your name on it. Hmm. Your body is washed with water. The hand is placed on your head. The bread is placed on your lips. The wine poured into your mouth. The sacraments are God's way of saying, here, the promise is for you. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's the, the beautiful thing of Lutheran theology is just recognizing the applied promise of God mm-hmm. for the forgiveness of our sins that we are able to look back to. Mm, that's good. Yeah. yeah, I think we'd say that really the sacraments are the perfect union of objective justification with subjective justification. Well they, said. They personalize mm-hmm. the objective justification mm-hmm. one for us, like you said, the universal mm-hmm. uh, salvation that Christ won, but then it's applied to you personally. And, and that is, in fact, in direct contest contrast to what the American church does. And when we talk about a personal faith in the American church, we're talking about a private, mm-hmm. unique faith mm-hmm. based on my own whim and fancy, mm-hmm. rather than connected to the thread of scripture mm-hmm. and the current of the historic church over the last 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we want our personal faith to be, is that this proclamation that Christ has died for everyone is found reality in the faith of Christ has died for me. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, part of the reason I asked that question is, I, I think in my mind, I'm thinking of infant baptism, of, you know, I've kind of wrestled with that of, you know, the performative uh, action of the sacraments in, 
in especially infants mm-hmm. and thinking of you know God's word is effective as it's connected to the physical element uh, the promise the word and the in the physical element and actually delivering grace even to this little baby or whoever is baptized yeah um, you know thinking of baptism but I don't know for a long time that's just that in my it's felt like a ex opere operato st- uh, statement. But yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up, mm-hmm. though, Brett, because Luther in his work infant baptism in the faith that is not one's own, he he talks about how even in infant baptism we're looking for faith, and maybe that surprises some of those who are listening. You just think about well, infant baptism, infants not having faith, but this is what Luther he says. He says baptism helps no one and is to be given to no one unless he believes for himself. Without faith, no one is to be baptized. And so one of the things we hold to in the Lutheran church is that God is eliciting faith, even in the life of an infant, through his means of grace. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see testimony of that. Even David in Psalm 22, he talks about God working trust and faith in his heart, even when he was a, a young young boy, infant. And so, um, yeah, that definitely is is a part of our theology. And I think we got to reverse engineer the implications of being nervous about infant baptism or, or anything like that. On the one hand, if you have questions about the effectiveness of infant baptism because infants can't express their faith, what does that do for your understanding of those who have uh, particular mental, mental or terminal yeah. illnesses? Yep. Mm-hmm. It robs you of the comfort that they can even be saved. Yeah. Uh, and we wouldn't say that. Uh, on the other hand, it's important for us as Lutherans to talk about uh, an adult conversion being just as much of a miracle of God creating faith through the power of the word as it is through an infant. And in fact, the difference between the two is that uh, all of the verses in scripture where where Christ says, suffer not the little children to come unto me, or talks about the faith like a child. He never talks about the faith like, you know, have faith like an adult. Uh, and, and so, you know, where we might have hesitations, we, we would also realize that there are times where we could legitimately say the baggage an adult has can be a hindrance to the process of mm-hmm. faith. Sure. You, you think about all of the uh, objections, uh, even earnest objections of an atheist that mm-hmm. need to be overcome uh, for those, you know, might want a specific example, read up on C.S. Lewis's conversion. And he was an atheist until he came to faith. And, you know, certainly there are dozens of stories, but the church at large, especially in the 20th and 21st century, seems to have forgotten that anyone coming to faith is God speaking life into Hmm. the dead bones of Ezekiel 37, 39, you know, in there. It's not just an infant. I mean, if you don't have faith, you are entirely dead in your trespasses and sins, like Ephesians 2 says, right? And and so the miracle is exactly the same because of the, the, the lack of tangibility of things, maybe, or what you would say. We see the miracle expressed in an adult mm-hmm. where we have to take on faith the the miracle as applied to an infant. Yeah, yeah so yeah. well said, Jason. Yeah. I think about just uh, a number of verses that point to that. 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit. You know, it's always a miraculous thing when we see come, someone come to salvation. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, it's by grace we've been saved through faith is not of ourselves, the gift of God, not by works that no one should boast. And somehow, you're right, we flip that mentality. We think, well, yeah, for, for adult conversion, it's some kind of work of theirs mm-hmm. and uh, a totally different picture than you have in the Bible. 
Exactly, exactly. Right, and, and yeah, so the sacraments are this dynamic, uh, active thing that, that's happening uh, to us as, as the Lord is, is at work uh, through his word. And I think of the gospel, uh, it's the power of God unto salvation. Exactly, and, and that's a really good place for us to kind of shift gears subtly mm-hmm. here. The sacraments are so dynamic, is they're coming to the table with us with more value behind their saving focus. No, no, certainly we want to focus on that primary value of delivering and applying God's grace through the promise of God's word. And, you know, so we say baptism saves, uh, communion forgives, and everything like that. But there is, in fact, a ceremonial yeah, right. and, and external value to the sacraments themselves. We, we would uh, agree yeah. with uh, most of the Protestant world that God has commanded the sacraments. Now, uh, the Baptists take it overboard where they will change the language and call it an ordinance, where it's, it's a command. And the purpose of the sacraments in the Baptist church is for obedience rather than an exercise of faith. But just because Christ has commanded it, doesn't mean it can't deliver the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's we always talk about that. This is kind of the Lutheran response to the the thief on the cross. It's not the lack of baptism that's the problem. It's the rejection of baptism that's the problem, right? It's not that we went X number of weeks without receiving Holy Communion that's a problem. It's that we're intentionally avoiding Holy Communion that's the problem. And so you have the command uh, function of the sacraments as they're instituted and commanded by God, by Christ. And the other thing is just looking at that ceremonial value of the sacraments for the life of the congregation. This is where the word right, R-I-T-E, yeah, comes Yeah, there's in. a right. There's a right of yep. baptism. I, I have hesitations as a pastor doing private baptism ceremonies. I, I, it's always my first inclination to say, let's do this on a Sunday so the entire church can bear witness to what's happening and celebrate with you. And only for specific reasons have I done a private family baptism ceremony. And the same thing, we've all got a practical example of this in the last 16 months with COVID and the wrestling all the pastors have had to do with what do you do with communion Mm -hmm. when, you know, for a couple months, church was primarily online. And from our perspective at Faith, the congregation I serve, I would not do communion on in-person visitation unless we were doing it publicly in the worship service first, because there's a communal aspect to communion. It's built into the terminology. This is the part where we keep talking because it's a radio show. Uh, the visuals Brett, don't do Brett and I are just good. sitting here agreeing with Jason's monologue. Jason, good point. Good, we, good we point, Jason. We don't want this to be the Jason show starring Jason, though. It's, that's what it already is. Yeah, well, <laughs> wah, wah. Oh, Yeah, so, you know, as I wrestle with this, you know, as a pastor, I'm thinking of all the, all the stuff that comes along with, like, baptism and in especially baptism, but thinking of the Lord's Supper as well. But, you know, you have the font, you have the, just the sights and sounds of, of the baptism. And I just met with a family a couple of days ago about talking about a baptism coming up. And, and we were talking through some of those details. And, and I remember saying to them, you know, to the outside world, this, this seems so foolish, you know, to do what we're doing. But uh, this is an amazing thing that God's at work uh, through his word. And, it, it, just in talking about that, I could see it in their eyes, and I can just feel it in myself too of just seeing the wonder of 
through this ceremonial thing uh, that happens, that God is doing something uh, through his word. Yeah, Nathan. Now think about just when we've all got a chance to go to a wedding. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when you're a part of that in the congregation and you're listening to the vows between the husband and the wife, for the, those of us who are married here, you know, we think about, we're reminded, forced to remember those own promises that we gave to our spouses. And I think, you know, one of the elements too, when, when we have baptism be part of a congregational life, is that we're able also to remind ourselves daily of those promises of God that he's made to us. And, and so I think the, the congregational focus there is, is really appropriate, Jason, like you mentioned. It's not only us recognizing those who are baptized are coming in to the body of Christ, and we're seeing that, a wit- bearing witness of that, but it's also a, a conscious reminder of us of the promises of God that we are uh, having application with. Yeah, and it, it really starts to drive a line that delineates between a biblical understanding of the sacraments and misunderstandings of the sacraments. You know, on the one hand, you know, this article in the Augsburg Confession in its historic context is standing in disagreement with the Roman Catholic thread or wing of the church in that the Roman Catholics insist on having seven sacraments, you know, and that would be five over and above what the Lutherans uh, believe. Nathan, you mentioned you know, watching a, a marriage ceremony and thinking about your own. And I, I was thinking about ordination services, too. Yep. Of, yeah. I always think of, of my own ordination. And, and yet those are very important and very special. You know, they're not uh, sacraments in the same way that the Roman Catholics would uh, say they, they are. Well, that's where we wouldn't commute, confuse the ceremonial value of a rite right. mm-hmm. with something that's actually delivering grace and actually comes with the promise of God. Now, I think there's kind of a throwaway line uh, here or somewhere else in the apology where Melanchthon is like, yeah, well, we can make marriage a sacrament, but it delivers a different kind of grace. Mm-hmm. It's that, that you know, that worldly horizontal grace mm-hmm. that you experience right. in marriage. Yep. But at the same time, marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. And, yep. and so there's, I mean, there's a lot of symbolism it doesn't come with those salvific promises, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so that's why it doesn't need to be a sacrament. Right. It can be a good thing. Yep. Same with ordination. It doesn't come with those salvific promises. It comes with uh, the blessing of God in his word, uh, uh, you know, really it, the ordination carries the symbolic value of the means of grace that, the, you know, what we're seeing is God working through a flesh and blood human to deliver his word. Yeah. Uh, and it actually, I, I remember having a discussion with someone, they thought that, you know, the way we talk about means of grace, they thought music was a, a means of grace. And that was a fascinating discussion of, of that. But well, and, anyway. and I think this is something where the church has confused too, is, mm-hmm. is there's a difference between means yep. and means of grace. Mm-hmm. The, 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 God has several ways to convey meaning, mm-hmm. you know, the, the means of something. Yeah, instrument, <laughs> instrumentation. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, yeah. Or pun solidly intended. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and there's many institutions. I know, like what the Catholic Church is acknowledging is there's a lot of things that God has instituted, but they're not institutions of his grace being yeah, conferred, and and that's precisely the argument Melanchthon makes. Well, mm-hmm. if if we're going to go down this way, why don't we call government right? You know, a sacrament yeah, because of Romans thirteen, and why don't he's like, well, you know, if anything's as close to a sacrament as what we're talking about, why don't we call prayer 
a sacrament. Hmm. And, and it, it, the Lutheran position is, let's not confuse the issue. Mm-hmm. Let's go to where yeah. Scripture speaks soundly, and let's maintain this. And everything else we can use for its teaching value and its, its symbolic value, but let's not dilute the gospel for the sake of getting crazy. Right. And mm-hmm. yep. So that's as the Lutherans relate to the Roman Catholics. On the flip side of thing, and, and, and this is kind of arguing from silence for what the, the, the apology didn't say here, uh, there's a massive difference between the way the Lutheran Church handles the sacraments and the way the rest of the Protestant Church handles sacraments. And, and it's that the Protestant Church has taken the, the right too seriously and turned it into a command, and it's robbed of mm. any significance of grace mm. uh, to the point that you get what I, you know, I started referring to as a sacramental vacuum. Yeah, tell us more about the, that. The, the sacramental va- vacuum is when we rob the sacraments of their job, of their meaning mm. in delivering grace, we will always create a sacrament mm-hmm. that delivers that grace. That the, and, and this isn't for the church anywhere. Everyone's got a sacrament. Yep. Kind of like a leadership vacuum or nope. a, yeah, whatever. It, it, the, the sacraments always fill because it's that tangible mm-hmm. necessity. You can't be a functional Gnostic. It, it doesn't work. You're always going to come up with something. So like in, in the Baptistic wing of the church, the sacraments uh, are replaced with the decision. Or in the assemblies of God, they're replaced with speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Or, or even in politics now, the, the sacraments of the extreme left wing are abortion and climate change. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's the thing that you know you're righteous. It's, it's the, the position that you uh, derive your righteousness from. And, and so in the church, I can go back to making a decision, except that we're always moving the goalposts on that. Uh, in the assemblies of God, I can go back to speaking in tongues, except every person I've known who's ever come out of the assemblies of God has admitted that they faked it, right? And, and so you've, you've got this problem where if we strip the sacraments of significance, they're going to be filled by something that doesn't give assurance and by something God hasn't promised. Mm-hmm. Again, guys... <laughs> I really see some self-deification in that too, where we set ourselves up to be gods and make the rules. We give ourselves assurance. We tell ourselves everything's going to be okay, and we're functionally serving, self-deifying. Well, exactly, and and that's the sort of thing. If the sacraments are already a law mm-hmm. in your conception of the sacraments, then the next step is to become Pharisaical, and you dilute the law so we can achieve it. And, and so, well, like, if yep. it's, you know, I can make a decision, I can respond to an altar call. And, and now, if, if there's an emotional moment in your life where you felt that tug of the gospel, we're not trying to denigrate that. We're not trying to rob you of that. But we are warning you that if that's all you have to anchor your assurance of salvation, the, the ability for that to be completely wiped out in a spiritual crisis uh, is a very, very real danger. Uh-huh. Now, the gospel should be preached and proclaimed when appropriate as an invitation, as an appeal by God to mm-hmm. come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's fine. Uh, if you have a conscious conversion experience as an adult, praise God. The gospel mm-hmm. and belief in the gospel should create experience. Mm-hmm. But what we're saying is those internalized faux sacraments sure. aren't anchored 
in the objective promise of right. God outside of yourself. Yep. Yeah, that's the, like you said earlier, the the connection between the objective versus subjective. Um, yeah, there is that subjective faith, but if it's just that, uh, not connected to the objective uh, grace or gospel. Well, and I mean, this is my own personal testimony. Yeah. Right? I grew up in a Lutheran church uh, without the assurance of salvation. And, and I, I don't know if I mentioned it on here. I've said it several times in preaching and teaching. There was a Bible camp I went to yeah. where I came forward <laughs> at every single altar call, including twice in one day. Here comes Goodham again. Yeah, it's, and, and after a while, <laughs> if that becomes, yeah. the, it, it, it's just robbed of any significance. You know, I can't tell you mm-hmm. how many times I've recommitted my life to Christ. Now, on the one hand, it's great that I've recommitted my life to Christ. We should be doing self-examination. We should be able to identify our apathy. Right. Or, or, we need to replace uh, recommitted or rededicated with daily repentance and yeah, faith. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which, again, uh, those people who would denigrate baptism have to realize the biblical teaching on baptism is that we are walking in daily repentance, that that is living in your baptism, that's exercising your baptism in your faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, as we start to wind down on this episode, is there anything else that uh, we need to say from this article from the Augsburg Confession or even anything from the Apology too? Um, I'm looking at my notes here. I, that line stood out to me in reading the Apology uh, you know, they were talking about the numbering of the of the sacraments, and and they said it's more important to understand how the sacraments are to be used uh, versus you know wrangling about how many. You know, even in in there, there was the third uh, sacrament uh, that was discussed. Uh, absolution. Absolution, right? Yep. And uh, you know, even that is kind of questioned or debated or wrangled about uh, a bit. Yeah, I don't think we should have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. I, Luther says, and I can't remember if it's in the large catechism or somewhere else, where really absolution belongs under baptism, you know, where it's the application of the gospel to mm-hmm. you for the forgiveness. Right. And if, you're, if the daily action of a Christian uh, is repentance, then the daily action of your baptism through the Holy Spirit with the word is absolution. God always meets repentance with forgiveness. Always, mm-hmm. always, always. That's mm-hmm. the message of the gospel. Uh, I, I don't see a lot of value in fighting over should we have a third or not. Right. Uh, if you want, great. Teach it rightly. If you don't want, great. Teach it rightly. <laughs> yeah, good. Nathan, how about you? Any closing thoughts on this, this topic? I just think about... Um, know us championing the word of god in all of this and you know let that not be lost that god has given us his word for the purpose of proclamation and uh, that's that's the goal for all of us believers all those who are listening here uh, we have a chance to share that word of god and his grace with those around us and you may not be in a position where you're called to sacramentally apply that you know you're maybe not serving as our day minister exercising that right but um, all of us have an opportunity as a priesthood of believers like luther talks about to proclaim the forgiveness of sins the gospel to those around and um, that kind of gets back to our mission you know why is the sacraments why have they been instituted it's part of the the mission of of the church to remind those around them and to give them the promise of forgiveness and uh, all of us get a chance to play a part of that mm-hmm. yeah good so uh, i'll close today's episode with uh, a verse on the lord's supper from matthew 26 verse 28 um, thinking of this it says for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins amen amen 
Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. For the latest on the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.